Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Boom. Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network. Bosco's Boys. The most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans, and I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chop Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitt. Today, we are doing double duty. We are previewing the Texas Longhorns with good friend of the podcast, Gerald Goodridge of the Longhorn Republic Podcast. But before we do that, there was Big 12 Media Days that happened this week. Um, that, you know, and Kansas was there. Kansas was actually one of the bigger stories, one of the bigger people that are Kansas. They wanted to talk to Kansas players and talk to Lance Leipold. But there's been plenty of teams, I'm sorry, plenty of analysts around the nation that have talked about how Lance Leipold is one of the best coaches, not just in the Big 12, but in all of college football. So we'll see how long that maintains whether that actually is something that's going to continue if he'll get an opportunity to prove that this year but Jalen Daniels named the offensive preseason offensive player of the year for the conference um you know Devin Neal today they talked about him taking a big step forward and you know most of the most of the questions I think that were posited to Lance Leipold as part of Big 12 Media Days had to do with, you know, the expectations from last year, how that changes for this year, how do they handle those? And I thought that, that that Kansas did a really good job of answering those questions. Look, that, you know, you can't ignore the 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 expectations. You know, they are there. People are going to expect them to be doing more this year than they did last year, but the schedule gets a whole lot tougher. And so you are balancing a few different things here. You have 
a team that is better, that is playing better on offense, that has the people back and assuming that they don't deal with any huge injuries again this year, that they should be able to be even better this year on offense than they were last year. And then you have a defensive line who struggled last year. They brought in four huge transfers to try to help kind of um, settle that down. You know, you do have players like Jeremy Robinson who had some big moments last year come back. You do have a little bit of depth there, but for the most part, Kansas is going to be looking to newcomers to be able to shore up that defense. Craig Young moving forward from the, you know, kind of backup safety spot to take over one of the linebacker positions. Rich Miller coming back. You know, you have Kenny Logan at safety. You, you have Kobe Bryant at cornerback to really help the Jayhawks. And so, you know, this is this is a Kansas team that has a lot of talent on defense. We got to see how well they put it together. And I think that Lance Leipold and the rest of the team kind of acknowledge that. Like, this is this is going to be a work in progress. It might be a little difficult at the start of the season. But ideally, they expect these, this team to be much better come the end of the year. Um, you know, th- this is a team that has a chance not only to go bowling, but to go bowling by several games. Um you know, if you look at the expectations, I do think that the six and a half wins that Vegas put out there is probably about the right number. You know, I could see a, a scenario where they go five and seven, six and six pretty easily if some things don't break their way or if they have to deal with some injuries. But I could also see a situation, especially at home, where things break really well. They start out really, really hot. And I think that this Kansas team could end up with a nine and three record if everything breaks right for them. So this is a team that has a lot of potential, both good and bad potential. And I'll be very interested to see how they're able to pull all of that together. Jalen Daniels was asked about, and, and, and honestly, I think he was one of the talks of the entire event because of, you know, he's wearing an Apple Watch as part of his necklace that he wore. We actually have a, a picture that was taken up as one of the articles, um, you know, kind of talking about what happened at Big 12 Media Days. Um, but, you know, he had on his necklace, he has an Apple Watch that plays a lot of his highlights and talking about embracing those highlights, embracing what he's able to do and all the expectations that come along with that. So, this is a Kansas team that is ready for the spotlight. They are ready to kind of take that next step forward. I will be looking forward to seeing them have an opportunity to do that. We will probably break down more from Big 12 Media Days as we kind of go in the next couple of weeks. Um, probably have an episode here with Kyle or Brendan here um, pretty soon to kind of talk about those and how things are developing. And once we get in, of course, to, uh, to, con- or to uh, fall camp and getting ready for the actual season itself, Things will kind of ramp up even more. You know, we are under the 50-day mark for the for the return of Kansas football. Uh, we've been doing the countdown over on Blue Wings Rising. Make sure you guys head over there and catch all of those uh, all of those articles if you have not already. But I don't want to delay any longer. Let's go ahead and get you guys over Gerald Goodridge of the Longhorn Republic podcast so we can talk about Texas. And, hey, is Texas the team to beat this year in the Big 12? A lot of people seem to think so. We have that conversation about how likely that is and what has to happen for that to actually be the case. Let's let's get you guys right on over there. And I am joined now by Gerald Goodridge of the Longhorn. I'm sorry. The, yeah, the Longhorn Republic. I almost said your guys' Twitter handle, Longhorn Pod. Um, over still on, amazed uh, it was yeah. it was available. Still amazed it was I, available. I know it's it's crazy. Just like mine, the Rock Chalk Pod. Like I'm surprised it was available. But Gerald, we're here obviously to talk about Texas. So how how are you doing today? You know, um, I just drove across a big chunk of Texas. I'm currently in Houston, Texas. I make my home in San Antonio. So I got to see a big chunk of the state. So I'm feeling good. Awesome. Well, I know that we, uh, we are recording this before Big 12 Media Days, but the episode's not going to come out till after. Um, so those of you guys that are listening to the episode will have just heard my thoughts about what's happening at Big 12 Media Days, but that's not what we're here for. We are here to talk about this Texas Longhorns team 
and what to expect from them in their final year in the Big 12. So let's let's go ahead and start there. What's the feeling like around the program, around the fan base with this being the final year? Is it more excitement about going to the SEC or more kind of bittersweet of the end of an era? Uh, I think oh, like overall fans, I think it's excite, exciting on the horizon. Um, I think there is a sense of at the same time, like wanting to go out on, on a high note, right? This has been, uh, majority for the vast majority of the time, it's been OU's conference and then it's been anybody but OU's conference for the last couple of years. Uh, and so I think Texas fans really want to go out on top. And I think Texas, uh, there's like this sense among fans of like, I, I love, I watch all the sports and there's this like sense among all the teams that like they want to take every single conference championship they can with them to the SEC, whether it's, Soccer, volleyball is probably going to happen, right? You, almost unanimous picks uh, to win that one. But I think as many of the conference championships as they can take in the last year, I think there's like that, that um, sense of wanting to go out on top as much as they can. Um, and I think that that is probably the pervasive conversation, especially uh, on the uh, for football fans. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, Texas usually does really well in the uh, the Olympic sports. Um They've, they've been struggling recently in football and basketball trying to get that. So it's definitely, uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see what they can do, um, and what they will actually be able to do in this last, in this last, uh, season that they have here. So I think last year, I think it's fair to say that last year was a little bit of a disappointment. It started out really hot. You guys, you know, uh, competed pretty well with Alabama and things kind of fell apart. Um, you know, later in the season, obviously you guys put a whooping on the Jayhawks at the end of the year, but uh, I, I am curious, what, what are the, the thoughts about last year and how that feeds into this year? I think it's another one of those like what if years where you could see a couple of breaks. You could see a couple of bad passes against Oklahoma State, uh, that kept Texas out of the conference championship game. You could see one big run against TCU that was the difference maker, uh, for, for that game. So like, I think there's a lot of like, Again, almost I've, I've used this metaphor before, especially a lot under Tom Herman, but it almost feels like Texas is like standing on the corner and just has to turn. And that's a lot of what last year was where there was a lot of opportunity for them to win. Uh, I mean, they were heck, they were one game away really from being able to play in Arlington for the conference championship. A couple of plays go uh, the other way and that, that goes really well for them. And so, um, I think that is. There are two camps. I would say there are folks that are really like banging their chest of like, they're going to, they're, it's going to be the year, right? This is going to be the year, but it's been the year since 2009, right? Uh, but I think I, I was going to say, uh, Texas has been back for quite a long time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the next year has been the year since, since, uh, since 2010. But, uh, no, I think then there's the other group of us that are like cautiously optimistic. I think where it's, the the roster composition is better than it's been in probably five or six years. The offensive line depth and defensive line depth is better than it has been in, in five or so years. And so I think there's this cautious optimism where, you know, Texas see a Texas fans see that this is probably the best put together team that we've seen since late stage Mac Brown. And so I'm really curious to see. Um, and I think a lot of fans are curious to see if they can actually put it together for the first time in, you know, at 14 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems like this is no different than most other Texas years, right? Where they have all the pieces. If you look at the talent that they have, this is a team that is probably more talented than every single team in the, in the conference, except for maybe Oklahoma. Although I would argue, after Lincoln Riley left that that includes Oklahoma as well. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is a team that should be successful and yet they have struggled to put it all together. Um, 
I realize that it's still fairly early in the Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, tenure here, but what is the feeling around him as the coach? Um, is it kind of just uh, like, let's wait and really evaluate him once we get to the SEC, or is there something that they're expecting from him this year? Well, I, I think I want to I want to comment on like the, the the Texas has been talented thing for a while because I think it plays into thoughts about Steve Sarkeesian because, you know, one of the things that that, you know, Texas has always had talent. Texas always recruited well, but a lot of it was floated by five star skill players where, you know, Tom Herman's big vaulted, you know, top three class. The top three players were defensive backs and the highest rated offensive lineman was a three star. Right. When Steve Sarkeesian came in, one of the first comments he said was, I've never seen a roster with more scholarship wide receivers than offensive linemen before and so he kind of executed a roster flip uh, and it was kind of throwing some shade to tom herman which is fine that played really well with the boosters because they didn't really like tom herman uh, but so i think part of the reason why folks are still giving sarkeesian and the staff the benefit of the doubt going into this year is that they really are you know, I, I, a lot of us consider, I think maybe me and a few of others consider that first year a year zero in a lot of ways because the roster was just so messed up, right? Like, and in that first offseason, Texas recruited the first, landed the first five star offensive lineman since Mac Brown was on campus, right? So the flip of the roster, that first, that first signing class was, I think, 30 something kids and half of them were on the offensive and defensive line. So part of, the expectation for Sark this year is that this is the first, this is year three with his guys. Um, they really did a, a pretty significant roster flip. And so I think people want to see something from Sarkeesian. I think there's a camp that's like a conference championship or bus group. I think that is unfair to make as an assessment in July, uh, especially because you know, last year that was the assessment and then two key starters tore their ACLs on the same freaking day. So there's obviously something that you can do, uh, some expectation you should temper, you know, weeks before fall camp opens but i think overwhelmingly the the idea is that this should be a year that sark can show that he's got the talent and he if he has the talent he can really um call the the offense and create the environment for them to win yeah i had forgotten about that with the two you know starters tearing their sel in fact that was the same day that we recorded the preview uh so it was yeah yeah that's um oh man i'm glad that there was no Brutal. you know similar uh news coming out this year you know the day we're recording this this preview so i'd, I'd never come on this podcast again yeah exactly no exactly no i i wouldn't blame you at all like if if that was the case so um yeah i mean i i think that there's definitely some questions still about this roster because like oh, yeah. you said they they've they've done a huge turnover of things like the lines uh, of a lot of different things but I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I think there was a lot of people outside of the Texas program and even inside the Texas program that expected Quinn Ewers to be playing a lot better than he, than he did last year. Is that a, a system sort of thing? And you're expecting him to be able to kind of take off this year, or are there legitimate concerns about the ability that Quinn Ewers has to lead a Texas? I think one of the people that expected Quinn Ewers to play better than he did last year was Quinn Ewers. And I think you've seen some of that in the way that he approached the offseason. You know, I, the, the, the biggest cliche is like the quarterback has reshaped his body in the offseason and he's taking things more seriously this year. It's the dumbest freaking thing we all say every offseason. But, um, I think when you look at Quinn Ewers frat boy beer gut last year versus, you know, rocking a mullet look like he's going to go to the lake on, on Saturday rather than a DKR. I think there's a difference in the way that he's carrying himself i think you see the way that he's interacting with his teammates you know the first video that we saw of him with his teammates was him cutting up in the in the locker room uh last year the first video we saw of him this offseason is getting on somebody's ass about running the wrong route so i think there's there's these differences these subtle differences 
you see in the way that he is carrying himself. Um, and he said it himself to, to the media at the end of last season, you know, my fundamentals were lazy. My footwork was lazy. So he, I think he's aware of the issues that he has. And I think part of his focus this off season, and let's be honest, it's a, it's a contract year for him. If he can get it right this year, he can be one of the top five quarterbacks in the draft. You know, the NFL really drafts for traits and Quinn Ewers does have a big right arm regardless of the win loss record. Uh, so I think he realizes that this could be a contract year for him with all the talent they have in the receiver room, all the, the offensive line finally getting to be, you know, in their grown man bodies. Um, he has an opportunity to, 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 kind of deliver on the plan that I think Sark showed up with to land Ewers, Ewers for two years and then hand it over to Arch Manning in, in another year, which that'll be another conversation for another day. But I think this is like where it's supposed to all come together for him. And I think he's finally realized that, um, you know, there's a lot of conversation to be had about like, you know, rich kids from affluent families who are also talented and what it takes for them to realize that, oh, I actually have to work to get something done. And I think last year getting, you know, humbled against Alabama on the first drive really kind of humbled him a little bit. And then coming back and struggling against Oklahoma State and missing those passes and throwing the interceptions that really lost in the game. I think last year was really humbling for him. And I think the from what we've seen, again, this is all conjecture. This is all preseason, offseason talk. But from everything that we've seen uh, and heard about Quinn Ewers, it, it, it's different. I mean, it probably doesn't hurt that you do have, you know, Archie Manning sitting there kind of ready to jump in if they like. I, I know that he said all the right things and he's like, you know, I'm fine with sitting a year and and then having it kind of handed over to me, but um, you know, any, any kind of trouble there, I don't think that they would be hesitate to go over to Archie Manning if they needed to, if, if when you were just wasn't cutting it. I, I would see Malik Murphy, probably the first one off the bench. He had, he lit the world on fire in that, that spring game. I'm like asking people to pump the brakes because a lot of his big plays were like, he was passing against walk on. So like, yes, the arm is there. Yes. He's got the swagger, but also like that cornerback that he burned for an 80 yard touchdown. That guy was running for his life. He's never covered a five star wide receiver in his life before. Yeah. So like, let's just pump the brakes a little bit on. I, I'm a big Malik Murphy fan. Sark wanted him when he was at Alabama, but also like, Murphy needs another year. Uh, but that being said, I think, you know, if, if, if the, if the hook does come, um, I don't think it's going to be Arch Manning. I think Arch Manning really does have a speed of the game thing he needs to adjust to. So I think Malik Murphy's probably the first one off the bench, but you know, Malik Murphy showing out and being the talk of the town following the spring game probably opened his eyes a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked. No, that is fair. Like it's, it's in, in a place like Texas, your job is never safe if you don't perform. So, nope. um, you know, they have enough talent on the roster that there should be somebody that can kind of step up. Talking about the rest of the roster, uh, on, on the offensive side, like the main weapons from last year, how many of them are back and which guys are you expecting to kind of step up to fill any voids? Uh, so when you talk about weapons, obviously you, you, B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson being gone are the first two things you have to mention. You know, it's, it's impossible to re- replicate both the on field and off the field things that those guys did. You know, you've got leaders in the clubhouse, guys that their their groups look up to. Um, the off the running back room, much like the wide receiver room, and I'll talk about that in just a second. The running back room has a really high ceiling, but you're not necessarily sure of the floor, right? Jonathan Brooks is probably gonna be the running back one in that group. Um, and and you know, he's a guy that Stan Drayton identified early. He was a um a low four-star, high three-star kid, Stan Drayton, who's now the head coach at Temple, um, got a running back guru, identified him early, got him an offer out of Hallettsville. Texas, uh, playing for the Shorthorns, um, legitimately Hallettsville 
little short ones. Um, playing for them, rushed for like damn near 3,000 yards as a senior. Um, was played both sides of the ball, district MVP on offense and defense, just absolutely nuts. Um, but he's a guy that Sandra identified early. So he's probably going to be the bell cow there, but you've got multiple former five star running backs behind him. So there's a bevy of talent there, but we don't know what the floor is. We know what the ceiling is for a guy like Cedric Baxter or, um, you know, or Jaden Blue. We know what the ceiling is for for guys that were the number one running back in their class at one point. But what's the floor? They've they've never really had meaningful college carries, so that's a big question. On the you know the pass catching positions, Xavier Worthy's back. Last year is weird because he almost had a thousand yards receiving, but it was almost seen as a regressive year for him. He had a lot of drops. Came out later in the year that he'd been playing with a broken hand. He also was running a lot of routes that weren't necessarily um, leading to his skill set. He's more of the um, the tactician running routes rather than just run by you down the field kind of deep threat kind of guy. So uh there's, there was a little bit of a mismatch there. He had some drops. Quinn Ewers missed him on some uh, deep throws as well. So uh, he's back. He's obviously back. Texas brings back also um 75th year senior. Jordan Whittington will be back this year as well. Uh He's a guy that I think realizes that this is his last shot to really show. Um He was another five-star kid. Uh Tom Herman started him as a freshman because he figured he'd be gone by his junior year. So he's back. Um A.D. Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell, transferred in from Georgia. He was a guy, if you watched either of Georgia's national championship games, you'll recognize that name. He's a guy that transferred in and has a big uh, opportunity to step up. And then Isaiah Nair was a was another Isaiah Nair was one of the guys that blew his knee out last year on the day we recorded. He was a guy who came in and was going to be that deep threat guy that Xavier Worthy had to turn into. Um, so he's going to be back this year, first time really stepping on the field healthy. Uh, so again, I think when we look at the weapons Texas has outside of Tight end Jatavian Sanders, who was absolutely kind of all world, you know, uh, preseason all conference selection. There's not a ton of pro- uh, proven production at the skill positions um, outside of really, again, Sanders and, and Xavier Worthy. Yeah, I, I was going to say Worthy definitely, I think, had an off year. He he only had 760 yards last year. It was the, the year before they had 980. Yeah. But I think a lot of that had more to do with quarterbacks not being able to get him the ball. Oh, yeah. Or you know, B. John Robinson having a 250 yard day against Kansas. Like you didn't necessarily need worthy when yeah. Robinson and, and uh, Johnson combined for that much, but worthy, I think it's, is a worthy selection to, you know, the big 12 all preseason team um, because he's going to, I think he's going to have that sort of year. The real question isn't his talent. It's can the quarterbacks get him the ball? So, yeah. um, but like you said, running back, for the longest time has like ruled the day in, in the big 12. It's one of the few conferences I think where the, the strength of a team or you have a bunch of teams that have really good running backs and running backs can typically make or break your team. So I would be very, very interested to see how well they're able to get those running backs to come along, you know, whether it takes any time for them to kind of pull them together. And I, I will say that I think that if Texas is going to have a hiccup, it's probably more likely in the early part of the schedule as you're trying to get everybody accustomed to, you know, all of the new talent and everything that's going on there. Um, which is why I'm glad that Kansas played Texas fairly early in the year, you know. For sure. Um, all right. I do want to jump over to the defensive side, but before you do that, I'm going to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the on the Rock Chalk podcast. And we're back. I am here with Gerald Goodridge of the Longhorn Republic podcast. Um talking about Texas, of course, the Texas defense. Last year, it, it definitely had its ups and downs. Put in a masterful performance against Alabama, um, but then had some issues kind of later in the year. What, what's the overall thought on the defense, and is there any reason to think it's going to be much different than than last year? 
you know, I don't think there's going to be a ton of difference. I think the one question I have is at the, at the, at the nose position at that, at that center, at the middle of the defensive line. Cause that was such a key point. Um, and a key piece of, um, Pete Kwiatkowski's scheme is you have a guy in the middle that can just take up space and eat blocks, eat multiple blocks, kind of just be an anvil in the middle and occupy space. Um, and that's part of the reason why the Texas linebackers played so well last year because Keandre Coburn had a contract year. You know, he was a guy who, uh, was a top end, one of the few top end defensive tackles, um, nose tackles out of the state of Texas. Weirdly, that's a position that the state of Texas doesn't really produce a ton. So when they get one, you've got to land him. So Keandre Coburn is a guy who had really high hopes, um, and had kind of a regression under top. Herman and then you know Texas brings back Bo Davis under Steve Sarkeesian and you know Snacks Coburn is now playing for the Kansas City Chiefs he's a guy who's probably going to see some snaps on Sundays coming here pretty quick and so that's the big question for me I think uh, is what who's going to replace that guy in the middle there's a ton of talent there's a ton of bodies Texas had some big bodies coming in um, some dudes that look like grown men coming out of high school really but um, you know can they be Snacks Coburn I think when the Texas defense when I think about when the Texas defense has been really great I think about a guy like Keandre Coburn I think you got a guy a few years back like Puna Ford when the Texas defense was really good the last time Puna Ford just ate up three, four blocks in the middle because he was just, I'm 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 5'11", I weigh 900 pounds, I'm going to sit down in the middle and occupy as much space as I possibly can. Uh, and so I think that's the big question for me. You know, Texas added in Jalen Catalan from Arkansas to hopefully shore up some of the issues they've had at safety. They've got a lot of talent at cornerback, both transfers in um, and freshmen. They named a watch on in the secondaries. Uh, Malik Muhammad, you might hear him called Manny Muhammad from uh, South Oak Cliff High School. He's a guy who probably will see a significant snaps uh, in the rotation as a cornerback. He's just kind of got that build and got that body and got that mindset of a lockdown corner. So he's probably going to be a guy who you'll see uh, early and often, but I think the defense, I mean, Jalen Ford's back. I think that's the big thing, right? Texas is uh, all conference. I'm still salty about the uh, conference defensive player of the year award last year, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, you know, Jalen Ford is back. He's going to lead that defense. Um, and I think he's a guy who's looking to uh, show off not only the level of development that he's had and that Texas could have on him, but that he's a guy that turned himself from a three-star to a legitimate NFL prospect. So I think uh, I'm, I think he's willing and ready to build off of that and show that last year wasn't a fluke it was the it was the norm it's it wasn't you know just a flash in the pan and he's a guy who can play on Sundays yeah I I, I mean looking at what Texas did last year I thought they were the most impressive when their defensive line was able to kind of get you know shut shut people down in fact that was the difference between you know the game last year between Kansas and Texas and the game the year before is that the yep. the year before the the Texas defensive line could not control that that line of scrimmage yep. at all um whereas last year they really gave Kansas tons of problems and you know Kansas does not have a a um I wouldn't call the Kansas offensive line shabby by any means I mean they have you know all, all big 12 uh Mike Nowitzki at center and they have had a very good line who last year you know they only gave up 12 sacks last year all of the entire year I like, yeah. a it's a fantastic offensive line obviously helped out by the way that their quarterbacks play but they were completely shut down by by the Longhorns, and like you said, it, it started up front there. Like I think that's what really made the difference. So, um, unfortunately, that's kind of just the way that the Big Twelve is with how many good running teams there are. You have yep. to be able to shut down the line of scrimmage, but also still get a good pass rush because teams will make you pay. So, um, again, there's no question that Texas has the talent to be super successful as a defensive team. Um, the question will be, you know. How well are they able to put it together? So, so let, let's, let's go ahead and take a look here at the schedule because like you said, I think the expectation for a lot of people is that Texas wins the league this year. 
Um, in fact, every single Big 12 Media Day preview that I've seen talks about how, you know, Oklahoma and Texas should be one and two and they should be leaving, you know, to go to the SEC with one of them taking the title. And um, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily that convinced that it's, you know, kind of a shoe in that it's one of those two, but I will definitely, uh, you know, I, I will definitely admit that Texas is probably the best position on paper anyway to be winning the league this year. But looking at the schedule, was there anything in this schedule that really kind of, uh, you know, either surprised you or a specific spot in the schedule that you're really looking forward to? Uh, well, I, I, it surprised me that Texas got such a favorable draw as far as like road and home games, like not having to go to Provo, not having to go to Manhattan, uh, not having to go to Lawrence feels great to me. I'm going to be really honest with you, leaving the state of Texas for exactly two home game, or two away games, one in uh, Tuscaloosa and then one in Ames, uh, feels really awesome to me. No, I think the, 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 I'm really, I think we'll know what Texas is going to be by the first three games of conference play. Um, going, starting conference play at Baylor, a team that Texas, um, really kind of put the nail in the coffin for last year. Baylor, if, if Baylor had the year they had last year, but beat Texas to close the year out, they're feeling pretty good. But Texas kind of um, ran away from that game late on the legs of Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. So I think getting them out the gate, I'm terrified of Dave Aranda. I don't know why. Like Dave Aranda is just like this silent assassin turtle looking guy who I think he's just absolutely, uh, he, he's a G. If he was the coach for any other team, I'd love him, but he's the Baylor coach. So I have to hit him. Right? Yeah. Like he's I, one of those guys that I think he's sneaky good in in game adjustments, yep. which I think causes him to be a little bit underrated because, you know, he's able to do a lot of good things late in games. The problem, of course, being, you know, there's a lot of good coaches in the Big 12 that are good at late game adjustments. So, um, but yeah, I think that's the kind of the, the thing that he has, especially if you're down in Waco, like he, he's pretty good at making those adjustments down in Waco. Yeah. But I think that run of, of, you know, starting Baylor, Kansas, and then OU one, two, three, boom, 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 um, before the bye is really going to tell us and be indicative of where Texas is going to go. You know, I don't think they're going to go undefeated through conference. I, I don't like, TCU going undefeated through conference was the exception, not the norm. I think it's um, the big 12 is going to continue to be, even after Texas and OU leave, like just an absolute rock fight every week because um, it's such a competitive conference. And so I don't anticipate there being an undefeated champion this year. I could be wrong and I'd love for it to be wrong and it'd be the Longhorns, but I think there's going to be a loss there. Um, at least one, if not two, I wouldn't be shocked to see them, uh, you know, there are a lot of people are predicting an upset in Tuscaloosa. I will not ever say that. I will never pick Texas to beat Alabama uh, as long as this, you know, Nick Saban is coaching at least. Um, but I so mean, I that's, think there's that's yeah, I think they're they're probably two. Uh, they should be two and one coming out of non-conference play, and so I think there's at least one, if not two, losses in the conference. Um, but again, I think a two-loss team in the Big Twelve, the way it is, is still alive to play in Arlington. That's usually how it works out. That there's a team with at least one, if not two, losses uh, angling for it. So you know, when having Texas and Texas Tech play uh, for that Black Friday game, last game of the season, uh, the regular season, that probably possibly should decide who's going to go to Arlington. That's the only thing that really caught my eye. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's not a easy stretch by any means for that first, no. you know I mean? Look, you, you go to Waco, which like you said, is going to be a tough one. And, and Texas has struggled against yep. uh, oh, yeah. Baylor, especially in Waco. Um, You know, Kansas, this is a Kansas team that has the preseason offensive player of the year in the big 12 in, in Jalen Daniels. Um, You know, they have four. He's players. a dude. Yeah, they have four players on the first team. I'm sorry, on, on the preseason All Big 12 team. Um, you know, tied for second, just behind Texas. So like, 
this is a team, a Kansas team that is not your normal Kansas team. This is not mm-hmm. anything like the team that came in two years ago and, and, uh, you know, and, and won in Austin. So I am looking forward to the possibility that Kansas might actually be able to, uh, you know, send Texas out with a loss. Um, I'm not going to count, like, I'm not going to make the bold prediction that I did two years ago, but, um, you know, this is this is a game I think that is a lot juicier than most people are giving it credit for. I'm looking actually right now. You can get tickets for like 26 bucks to this game, which is so ridiculous. That's intense. Um, yeah, that's insane. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, looking at that Kansas game, like, is there something about this Kansas team that that scares you as a Texas fan? I mean, other than the fact that it's Kansas and I wake up in cold sweats at least once a month thinking about those two games, uh, Jared Casey and I still like, I love that guy, but also I'll hit him with the brick if I ever see him. Uh, like, no, I, I, I you love the idea of Jared Casey, but the I, fact that he did it to your team is the problem, if, right? If it was, if it was Oklahoma, I would have Jared Casey's face tattooed on my back. Like that's how much I would love it if it was any other school. Um, but I like it's. It's a crazy talented team. Jalen Daniels is an incredibly talented quarterback. He's a guy. Um, this is like the overused dumb sports cliche, but he's got that thing that you like in quarterbacks, whatever it is, that X factor, that chutzpah, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's got that thing. Kansas has a solid offensive line. You know, if they can get you on your heels running the ball, they're going to be able to do a lot of, um, cool things with that offense and, and that offense is made to kind of make you overthink and Pete Kwiatkowski's defense is not one that really rewards stopping and thinking it's a very aggressive very attacking offense so if you have to watch uh too many fake handoffs and too many options and reads um you're going to be out of position and you're not going to be where you need to be and that's where teams can exploit so I think that this that is a matchup that absolutely terrifies me especially as the Texas offense is still going to hope probably be figuring some things out you know I hope maybe by game five that they figured things out, um, you know, and they can get by. It might end up being another one of those shootouts in Austin, which I don't know if my blood pressure can handle that. But uh, overall, this is a very, very talented Kansas team. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won any week of the year. Yeah, I mean, I would be all for, you know, the the shootout down in Austin. But this is a Kansas team, like you said, that, uh, you know, they have to figure some things out on defense. But the offense is probably going to be better than it was last year. And they were number yep. nine nationally in offensive efficiency. So um, that's a scary thought. The fact you have e- every much. single major contributor back, a Daniel Highshaw who is very healthy, who was fantastic at the beginning of the year and was really able to turn it on before he got injured. Um, and yeah, I mean, Kansas came out of the gate hot last year. You know, it was, it wasn't until game six that they really started to slow down. Uh, and that was against TCU. So, you know, this is game five. Uh, this could be one that could be a little bit of trouble for, uh, you know, for, for the Longhorns. I, I do think that I would give Kansas more than a 3.8% chance that the ESPN FPI is right now, but I think FBI it's you know, is so dumb. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked with like an 80%, you know, Texas win probability, but. I'm sorry, 96.2% seems just a little bit too skewed, especially when you look at all of the offensive playmakers that the Jayhawks have. And the offensive playmakers that Texas lost. I think, you know, Texas won yeah. that game last year on the strength of Bijan, uh, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. A lot of what Texas did last year, you know, Quinn Ewers was a game manager in that game where he was just like, all right, I'm going to hand the ball off to that guy and he's going to do something cool with it. Right. Uh, well, so and, I, think- I mean, that, that was also too, like Kansas got deflated at the end of the sec, at, at the end of the first half with a an interception that probably should not have been upheld as an interception. Oh yeah. Which completely killed any chance Kansas had of doing anything in that game. Now, they weren't going to, you know, Texas was not going to lose that with Bijan running for 270 something yards yeah. like regardless. But I do think that Kansas was 
like that, that game was a lot more lopsided than it really should have been because of some things that happened. And then Kansas just kind of gave up. I mean, Texas was much more physical than them that day. Um, but you know, and it was also, I believe it was Jalen Daniels first game back after his I think injury. So. so like things are going to be different this year. Jalen Daniels should be at full strength. They should be, you know, the offense should be clicking. I don't expect Kansas to need time to ramp up their offense. Um, the defense is, an, is a completely another matter. So I would not be shocked to see like a 50 to 52 game or something like that. Another one, um, you know, that is just completely high scoring. You know, I just, I just don't want it to go to triple overtime or anything like that. Like let's, let's do this one in regulation. I don't care if it's like a 70 to 69 game, just get it done in regulation, please. Give me a basketball game. I'm fine with that. It's fun. <laughs> it's great for ratings. That'll be a great ratings bump for uh, the Big 12 on the way out. Like, I, I mean, it'd be great. It'll be a five hour game if, you know, if they really score that much, but Good. I guess Quit that's shortening okay. the games for ads. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Gerald, um, let's, let's go ahead and do it. What do you think Texas is going to do this year? What is their final record going to be? I- what is your expectation for the team? I haven't backed off of like a 10 and two year. I think, um, 10 and like 10 and two feels right ish based upon, you know, what they've got. Uh, I think the line for Texas this year was nine and a half. So, you know, nine or 10 wins feels like in the realm of possibility. So what uh, you're can, saying is hit the over, but be worried about it all year long. Yeah. You'll have to sweat it out probably until Texas tech until Thanksgiving or black Friday. So you can go, you know, get a discounted TV and then hopefully you can cash your check, uh, cash your, cash your uh, check and uh, get your money. You know, I, I, I don't bet, I, you know, I lost all my lunch money in middle school once playing poker in the <laughs> locker room and I haven't bet since. Um, but I, you know, I, 10 and two feels right for me. I know I, there's two losses on there. A lot of national folks are, you know, I've seen uh, some national folks saying that, you know, Texas might beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Again, I will never count on that. Um, so I think two and one coming out of non-conference feels right. And I think there's at least one loss in the conference play, if not two. I don't know if it's a usual suspect. My, the way that it's going to work for me, because my life is terrible when it comes to sports, you know, I'm a Dolphins fan and a, um, and a Texas fan. So it's been like hell for the last 20 years of my life. Um, you know, it's going to be a dumb one. I really think it's going to, they're going to, you know, win all the ones that they should and then lose to, I don't know, at Houston. Houston's supposed to be really bad this year and it's just going to like, the Cougars are going to be annoying all year. So I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. That's generally what my pessimism, my sports pessimism says is they're going to be good in the ones they need to be and then, you know, piss one down their legs at some point. How about, how about we just make the one loss to Kansas? You know, I mean, I'll be, I'll be fine with that. No, not again. Not going to do it. Nope. Never again. <laughs> don't want it to happen. If that, ha- if I, can you imagine if they have like a rematch in the Big 12 championship because Kansas beat uh, Texas in Austin and then it was the only loss that Texas had all year long? It is it is absolutely like that would be the only way that my dream scenario of Texas winning it on the way out would go sideways is if the one loss is to Kansas because we will have te- Kansas beat Texas memes for his. It's like the last ten years of my life being able to eternally scoreboard the Aggies. There would be eternal scoreboard for Kansas, and I just I don't I I can't deal with that. Well, I'm hoping it will be because it'll be a whole lot of fun if that happens. But I can understand why you would not be. So, all <laughs> right, Gerald, um, anything else that, that, uh, Kansas fans should know about the Texas team before we get out here? Uh, man, I think, I think we've hit it all. Again, I'm, I'm curious to see, 
uh, what the running back room looks like. You know, Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach has never has always had a thousand yard rusher on his on his roster. So I think that's something to keep a lookout for is who's going to be the featured back. And again, I think it really rises and falls on um, if the wide receiver room can live up to the ceiling. I think that's the that if there's one thing I'm watching all year, it's that in the interior offensive line are the two things that I think are the linchpins to this team. Um, you know, they've got a center that's really experienced, but they don't know who the guards are. They moved a kid in from tackle to guard to get him on the field because he's really talented, but he's a tackle body playing guard. So that doesn't always go well. Um, they've got a five-star kid, DJ Campbell. That's like a semester behind where he should be because he wanted to play basketball for some reason. And I'll never forgive him for that. Unless he has a really great <laughs> year. If he has an all conference year, I'll completely forget it ever happened. But if he doesn't, uh, then I'll never forgive him for it. <laughs> um, like the interior offensive line honestly betrayed Bijan and Roshan on a couple of different occasions. Cough, cough, TCU, cough, cough. Uh, so I really think that's going to be something to watch out for as well. All right. Well, for those that want to get more information about Texas, where's the best place to find all your stuff online? Uh, you can find our Twitter, our show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. That's where if you want to just get Texas coverage, we actually really try to cover all the sports, not just football and basketball. Uh, my personal Twitter is at GH Courage. That is a little more pop culture and newsy and also dumb stuff that my kids do and all the above. So heck yeah, that's, that's the way to do it. If you're, if you're into like hearing the silly things my kid says, like dad, D, doo doo starts with D, uh, that is on at GH Goodrich on Twitter. That is awesome. I think, I think we have an episode title. No, <laughs> do it. Take it. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, Gerald, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcasting. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review. Five stars, nice comments. would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams of the Big 12 Conference. Yes, all 14 of them. We have a, a show for pretty much every single team. Um, we're just trying to fill out the last few and of course, um, you know, looking forward to talking about all of the Big 12 teams this year. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Gerald, thank you so much for joining me. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.